0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HL Living Loco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app doing so does not cost you a single cent and ensures you never miss another episode. Before we kick off tonight's proceedings, I did want to give you a heads up about one of our upcoming great series that's going to be coming from the Locked On NHL podcast network, and that is indeed our Top 50 NHL Players. We've already revealed the snubs that did not make the top 50 list, and I talked about some of the Jet snubs on our previous episode, so be sure to check that out. But for the rest, who are the season's top 50 NHL players? Find out on the Locked On NHL podcast with Joe DiBiase, Mike DiStefano, and Rachel Donner as they reveal the top 50 players as voted on by our local experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NHL podcast on YouTube and turn on your notifications on so you never miss another episode. On tonight's show, we are going to be taking a brief break from this series and moving back towards our Central Division preview. We talked about a couple of teams on our last preview, including Colorado, Dallas, and Chicago. We're going to talk about Minnesota in just a moment, but before we do, I do want to tell you about a couple of interesting signings that have occurred. A couple of really big contract extensions, many of which I think people were eagerly anticipating, especially if you're either a Carolina or a Flyers fan. Remember how I said Sean Couturier actually should have made the top 50 NHL players list and somehow ended up being a snub? Well, it seems like Philadelphia seems to recognize his value because they just awarded him an 8-year, $62 million contract. Getting Couturier for a little under eight million per season is just absurd value. I don't care what anyone says. Couturier signed for a really bargain contract considering he's basically an elite center in almost every zone of the ice is just sensational. They've locked him up for the long term. Yeah, he is a little bit on the older side considering the term on his contract, but Let's be honest, Couturier is their lead number one guy. If you wanted to extend one particular player at a really good price point for a long, long time, this is it. This is the guy that you want to lock up forever. Couturier has been one of their top creators over the past several years. Again, his points totals have uh, recently gone up as his shooting percentage has improved. But seriously, I can't believe Couturier actually took a little bit less money than I was expecting. Honestly, if he had gotten closer to 8.5 to 9 million per season, I would not have been shocked. But for some reason, Sean has actually come in just under eight, and I feel like this is an absolute steal of a contract. Philadelphia has to be thrilled. They're getting their lead number one center back. He's basically signed through what I would probably consider to be most of the remainder of his career, so whatever he does now is basically going to be in a Flyers uniform. I I can't imagine that this is a contract that they'll be eager to dump, and if they have to move it after a couple of seasons, I think it's pretty doable. All that said, though, this is a really tidy piece of business, and this is the kind of player that I really wish the Jets had more of. I feel like Winnipeg right now has a lot of guys who are very good at shooting the puck, but maybe not so many players like Couturier who promotes positive results in all facets of the game, whether it's his defensive responsibility, his neutral zone transition, his zone entries and exits, and his actual offensive prowess once he's inside the attacking areas? So Couturier signed for a great deal. I think Philadelphia did a great job. They just signed Derek Broussard, too, for one year at a little over league minimum. I feel like Broussard, you know, he's one of those depth players, so I think Philadelphia is just looking to fill out their fourth line. Nothing too exciting, but, you know, certainly between the two signings, of course, Couturier will always get the, the headlines, and that right there is a sensational signing. The other really big signing is actually an identical contract very nearly, and that is for Andrei Svechnikov signing for eight years, also at $62 million and around the same AAV as Couturier. This deal is also interesting because, again, Svechnikov is probably getting a little bit underpaid. I know that Andre hasn't always put up the insane numbers that people sort of expected for him, but in terms of like a really elite offensive wing, you're not going to find many better attackers than Svechnikov. A quiet part of me was hoping that Andre might actually end up somehow going to arbitration or something, and maybe the Jets could make an offer or a play for him where... Potentially, they bring him and his brother into the Jets' organization. The Jets did bring in Evgeny, but unfortunately for them, Andre is going to be off the market, and it looks like he intends to stay long-term with Carolina for most of his uh, prime years. I like this deal, I think, again, just like the Kriterie contract, Svechnikov is a really good player who is signed uh, a little bit under what you would expect him to get. Now, I know Svechnikov is not quite the same as what Couturier brings. In fact, he's a little bit more offensively leaning, less so on the defensive side of things. But I really don't see how you complain about getting an elite attacker under $8 million per season. In a season plagued with controversies for the Carolina Hurricanes, and rightly so, let's be honest. I think a lot of their moves, and, and certainly some of the players that they've signed, they, they raise eyebrows for a very good reason, to put it lightly. But this is one move that is hard to scrutinize. I think they've done a great job. This is the kind of contract you can start building a, a real contender out of. You you get guys on maybe slightly hometown discounts, so to speak. You know, Zvechnikov of course, not exactly from Carolina, but... Taking a little bit of a home deal for his team, and I think this gives Carolina enough flexibility to start making other moves. If there's one thing Carolina has done, it's seemingly made pretty decent use of cap space. I'll say, in this offseason, though, I do have some questions. I think this is probably the most positive move that they've made so far. Maybe their strange operations actually pan out and everything goes according to whatever weird plan they've got going on, but this is probably the first time where I felt like, aside from Svechnikov signing, Carolina has made a lot of really puzzling choices both from an ethical standpoint and really just from like a performance and roster management situation. Some of the players that they let go and brought in, I don't really understand. But again, maybe Carolina sees it differently. Maybe there's some sort of uh, modeling or something that suggests that the team has actually improved. Either way, they have now answered one of their biggest questions. And, I, you know, if Svechnikov was even on the market, I don't know what the Jets would have been able to give him that would bring him in and and give Carolina a good return. It'd probably have to involve somebody like Vili Heinola. And, uh, of course, we have a really strong attachment to Vili over here, but, you know, that's the kind of player where if you're trading him for Svechnikov or something like that, I I could accept it. It may give me some long-term concerns about Winnipeg's defensive depth once the veterans start to age out, but in terms of elite attackers and really fortifying up front, the Jets would be doing great business to bring him in. As it is, he's, uh, he's off the market, so I don't know who else the Jets might be targeting. I thought they were supposed to be going for, like, a top six forward of some form like a younger one at that, but for now, we're just going to have to wait and see if the Jets have anything in plan or if the roster that they're rocking with right now is what we're going to see in a couple of weeks, which, to be honest, pretty darn solid team overall, if we're being truthful. Not, you know, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but, workable. Naturally, the Jets aren't the only Central Division team that's been making moves. In just a moment, we'll take a look at one of their other division rivals in the Minnesota Wild. Before then, though, I thought you should know a little bit about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place you do your online betting. When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, you need to know that there's a safe, reliable name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should put your trust in BetOnline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action coming up. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including Online's biggest half-million dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at BetOnline. Go to the website or use a mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. For brand new customers using promo code NFL100, they can take advantage of their opening day super promo where you can make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, the season opener between the Super Bowl champ Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. Even if you lose, you'll be refunded up to $25 on your wager. What's not to love? From football, basketball, boxing, and more, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. And as always, don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your 100% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV all together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part... There's no annual contract whatsoever. So get rid of that clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Compatible with device required. Content varies by package. Go to directtv.com for more information. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We're looking at the upcoming Central Division and how it's shaping up after, you know, several weeks of free agency and number of trades and stuff, Colorado, Chicago, you know, a couple of these other teams we've already talked about. Now it's time to take a look at one of the teams that, quite honestly, I'm still trying to figure out. This is the Minnesota Wild, and this team, it feels like they're kind of stuck between two different mindsets, right? On the one hand, they sort of understand that their roster right now is probably not looking super great in the short term, right? So... I think they understand they're lacking a lot of you know high-end forward talent. They bought out, uh, of course, Ryan Suter and Zach Parise, and they've had to make a couple of different acquisitions to sort of fill in the gaps. One of those uh, acquisitions has been Dmitry Kulikov. He signed for two years. Then they brought in Freddie Goudreau. They also brought in Alex Galagoski and John Merrill. Now, all of these signings for me... I think they bring top four or top six value for the defenders, and certainly Goudreau can play a role in like a third or a fourth line position, but they haven't really added anyone at the high end that I really believe in in terms of of really good players, right? So I I look at this squad and I feel like, again, they're still lacking a lot of finishing talent. I think defensively they're going to be a little bit more resolute in this upcoming season than they were over the past couple of years, but this isn't a team that's going to be scoring a lot of goals. And not getting Kevin Fiala locked down to a long-term contract has to be very frustrating. You know, Fiala's probably going to leave in a in a year or so, and if they don't re-sign him, where exactly is this next-level offense supposed to come from? They don't even have Kadil Kaprazov signed to a deal yet either. And while I do think you can actually debate the merits of whether or not Kaprazov is worth like a really huge contract, especially long-term, I do also look at this team and I think, who else are they going to sign to bring in offense? I mean, there's a lot of defenders here. It looks like a squad that's going to be very physical, very stay back, I would say, like drop deep, stay back, don't get too, too aggressive, keep your shape, keep your positioning, and really hope to grind out goals, which in my mind, it's just not a really great strategy. I know that people often talk about the Central Division and heavy hockey as being this really big, physical, intimidating kind of division, but I don't think that you know, Minnesota really should be following that sort of mindset. You know, if you're if you're going to not score goals, I guess you can focus on on locking it down on the back end. But again, I just don't really understand what this team's overall strategy is. There's a lot to like, you know, down the road in terms of some of their really good prospects, especially Jesper Walstad, who you know, Walstad's going to be amazing in net for them long term. But in the immediate future, it seems like they're a little bit hesitant to lock up a lot of money. So. In many ways, I do kind of understand that they want to field at least a defensively resolute, somewhat competitive roster. It seems like they focused on trying to keep things one to two years max on most of their contracts. I think they don't want to commit a lot of money, especially in long-term deals like they saw with Parise and Suter. My only question is, if in fact this division is going to be tough to score in, You know what exactly is Minnesota's plan for trying to get out of either the middle of the pack or towards the back end of the, of the Central? And I don't really know, to be honest. If they're hoping to stifle opponents, You know they have a roster that's shaping up to be something akin to that, but I don't know if that's really the best strategy. I know that they don't have many options for bringing in high-end scoring, but I don't know if I would focus this much cash into defenders who quite honestly don't contribute a lot up front. I did like their contract extension on, um, it was uh, Joel Eriksson-Eck. I feel like that's an eight-year deal I don't necessarily hate. The uh, the cap hits pretty low. It's just over $5 million per season, which if you're talking about a guy who has put up on-ice impact similar to like a top-six center, even if the points don't necessarily follow, that's all right, you know. I think the biggest question is, where are they going to get their goal scoring from? You know, Bukestad's not going to do that. Uh, I think they brought in, like, Kyle Rau, who's basically been stuck in the minors for the past several years. So, yeah, I I don't know. Uh, Unless they bring in a a big free agent player, or maybe they make a trade for somebody... I don't know if they would even try to play for Jack Eichel. It just seems like they're wanting for a really good scoring depth. And so I I think this upcoming season for them is going to be pretty hard. I think they're going to have to win a lot of games like 1-0 or 2-1 or something like that. Very close, very narrow margins. They're not going to be creating many chances. And they're going to have to hope that Cam Talbot can kind of cover for a defense that honestly may not have any real number 1-D. Matt Dumba's probably the most versatile defender on that blue line, but then you start getting to Alex Goligosky, Jared Spurgeon, some of these other guys. I love Spurgeon, right? But he is kind of getting a little long in the tooth, and at some point you probably expect him to decline a little bit. You know, he's not really somebody who brings a lot of offense. Dumba has traditionally been more offense than he is a defender, so you kind of give and get with him. And then you fortify the back end with some guys who could capably play, like, top four minutes, but you probably wouldn't want to ask a lot of them. So... Yeah, just a strange roster situation. I feel like this is a team that's going to be towards the uh, the bottom of the Central Division. I just don't see many scenarios where they're going to win a lot of games. Unless Talbot has like another Vesna finalist kind of season, which this year he was really flipping good. So there is a chance. I just, I don't know about this whole winning games thing if they're not scoring more than like one or two goals per outing. Speaking of Central Division teams that I have questions about their offensive potential with, I kind of look at Nashville and I have some questions about their team as well. We'll talk about some of their changes to their roster and where I see this team going in the next couple of years in just a moment. Before then though, I thought you should know about why Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Are you someone who loves protein bars? Are you tired of all of your favorite protein bars tasting like ash and dirt? Maybe you're ready for a change. And as a fellow protein bar appreciator, I can tell you that Bilt Bar is your best alternative. It's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It comes in several delicious flavors like salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and so many other great flavors. Built Bar often releases very special, limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good, so stay tuned to their social media platforms and their website to make sure you never miss another flavor. As delicious as Bilt Bars are, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130-180 to 180 calories, 4-5 grams of net carbs, and 70-18 grams of protein. Bilt Bars are perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. Placing your order couldn't be easier. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at built.com. Place your order today for the best tasting protein bar on the market. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We're taking a look at some of the, uh, the Central Division rivals that the Jets are likely to face. Some of these teams, you know, I- I'm a little bit confused by, I feel like, The Central Division is going to be kind of lackluster. It might be more defensively focused. A lot of teams that are sort of going to grit and grind out wins, mostly because goal-scoring talent is a little bit difficult to find right now, certainly without trading a lot of assets. One of those teams that I still continue to be a bit lukewarm on is Nashville, even though they made like a big late-season surge last season. This team overall doesn't really do it for me. They traded away Ryan Ellis, which I understand, you know, Ellis... It was certainly a guy who contributed many great seasons for them. He was a fantastic defender, really great shooting ability. But, you know, when it came to health and stuff over the past year or so, it sort of seemed like he might be on his way out. So they brought in Philip Myers and Nolan Patrick. I actually like Philip Myers quite a bit. I think he's a really capable second-pairing defender. Not somebody who can control the ice in the way that a Ryan Ellis does, but very competent defender. He's going to be a positive impact player in both ends of the ice, even if his shot isn't anything super special. And I, I think he was maybe a little bit underrated in this trade. The player that is probably going to be the biggest wild card for me, though, is, you know, after they got Nolan Patrick, they then traded him away, and they brought in Cody Glass. Cody... I think a lot of things didn't quite pan out for him with Vegas. In a lot of ways, Glass wasn't terrible, but in terms of, like, his offensive impact, he didn't really do a whole lot on the ice. I think he's a very skilled forward who can really help with transition, and I do think that he's got a pretty dangerous shot, and in the uh, the lower leagues and junior levels, he actually showed a pretty good understanding of attacking space. So I think that thing is going to have to really translate here as he moves to Nashville, because right now his career has stalled out a bit, and frankly, Nashville really needs scoring depth up front. Ailey Tovanen appears to be a really important contributor going forward. I know that he was very hyped a couple of years ago, especially with the numbers that he was putting up with jokert in uh, the KHL. But of course, his career sort of hit a bit of a snag once he got to the NHL. And certainly at the AHL level, he really wasn't lighting it up either. I think he's starting to put two and two together now. And if he actually has like a really big second or third season here at the NHL level... I feel like Nashville might be in better straits, relatively speaking. I just don't know if it's going to be enough to cover the loss of, of Ryan Ellis and Victor Arvidsson. I think losing Arvidsson, even if Victor wasn't quite as good as he used to be uh, a couple of years ago, I do wonder if that's going to have an impact on their ability to create offense. Arvidsson certainly wasn't healthy, and I think that was probably holding him back a good deal but if he recovers and bounces back at his next destination, it's going to look a little bit rough for the Preds. I, I think that they were okay with dumping him in terms of getting assets for a player who might have been selected by Seattle anyways, but those considerations aside, I just sort of wonder long-term about their roster and, and whether or not that's going to be a source of offense that's difficult to replace. They've brought in a couple of additional players aside from uh, extending Mikhail Gronlund and, of course, Dante Fabro, as well as Yusuf They have introduced Matt Luff, And I think Luff could be an underrated bottom six forward. He had, like, a nasty shot that he often scored with at the AHL level. And after a couple of hot games for the LA Kings, he kind of faded out from view. I don't know if Luff is going to be that sort of sniper for the Preds. They tend to be, you know, more interested in, like, big physical grindy forwards who can create offense down low in the slot. I don't know if that is Luff's game, but I don't really expect him to have the sort of offensive impact that they're really needing. They need guys who can score 25, 30-plus goals a season, and they kind of need it now. That roster as it is right now is kind of in a strange transition period, which makes some of the terms on these deals a little bit curious. You know, Yusisero signing for four years indicates that they're they're trying it out. They're not going to commit, like, super, super long-term, but they are treating this like win-now mode, especially as some of their players like Roman Yosi continue to get older. So... Yeah, the Preds, another team that I feel like is in a little bit of a tight spot. Unlike the Jets, I feel like Minnesota and Nashville didn't really improve, at least on paper, in the ways that you would typically expect. They rounded out some depth pieces, but they still have very large needs, and I kind of wonder if that's going to drown out any of the acquisitions that they've made. You know, you can only sign so many, like, 7th defenders, 3rd and 4th liners, Uh, before eventually your lack of top six or even top-pairing defensive talent starts to make itself apparent. You know, both teams are probably going to have issues scoring a lot of goals. I think they're going to have to lean very heavily on their goaltending and defense to sort of carry them. Nashville has traditionally gotten away with it, but over the years that's been diminishing returns as, you know, a lot of the other teams have sort of outpaced them offensively. Maybe I have this all figured out wrong. I'm just kind of wondering. You know, the game is getting faster and faster, and it's more skilled than ever before, so... I feel like Nashville and Minnesota, they're in danger of being left behind. Minnesota might not mind if it means they get even more top-end prospects, but you look at Nashville and I sort of wonder about that team. It's hard to get a read on Dave Poyle and what his vision for for the Preds is. So, curious to know how the season resolves. I'd love to hear your thoughts on some of Winnipeg's most hated and grindiest rivals. Be sure to let me know what you think about the Wild and the Preds at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets and HL Living Loco on Twitter. For tonight's podcast, though, that is going to do it. Before you log off, don't forget to check out our Lockdown on Bets podcast. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Lockdown on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!